So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. All right, so we're just going to start off a little bit different. You watched one of my favorite movies, and you did not love it this year. What movie was that? Arctic. Oh, man, we are just diving right in, aren't so, we? So just a, a quick, oh, man. Just, a, just a sideways curtsy. Yeah. What, uh, did you give it a heart? Yeah, okay. yeah. Definitely okay. a three and a heart, yeah. Okay, I just having a hard time seeing how that's only one star better than ma to be honest with you ah uh, yeah it was a perfect five for you right perfect five yeah yeah um incredibly atmospheric i was with mads mickelson the whole way i i mm. his bones was a character like his skin was a character mm. his face was a character the weathering the sun burning um the ice the glisten like it just yeah, it, it was an atmospheric piece. And I, I do wonder mm. if that's one of those things where being in the Arctic in a theater changes mm. it in a way that the home theater experience doesn't. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was an at-home watch. It was an impulsive watch. Where I'm like, I, I still got time for a movie. I'm going to get one in. Yeah, um, and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd been bullying it, you about it. For it didn't have the benefit of, you know, the little lead up where I had kind of been planning it. It was a quick watch. Or not a quick watch, but an impulsive one. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I kept kind of waiting to be a bit more, like, just surprised by the journey. Um, I mean, I guess I, I did very much appreciate, I think it's Joe Pena is the director. Mm-hmm. Um, Directorial debut. Yeah, that he's doing much of the storytelling visually, right? Like, there's not a lot of dialogue. I think most of what we learned about this guy who's stranded alone. Well, there's um, almost we learned, no dialogue. Yeah, very little. He's talking to the another character a little bit, um, and a, a little bit to himself, maybe, if I remember correctly. But yeah, you're right. A little it's, bit it's of hardly, yelling as hardly... he tries to unstick himself from some situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I can't say that there were just that many shots that are really going to be seared in my memory. Um, I... Um, and that's maybe like, where we, I, I, I get that. There is not that, that master cinema, Paul Thomas Anderson look of yeah. this thing. What yeah. it is, though, is an atmospheric piece of despair, more so. And I, to me, some of those tundra shots, like, I still think about, but they're not artistic mm-hmm. in the way that I think you might be um, commenting on. Yeah, a little bit. And, and maybe it's not fair to, you know, ask it to be more art house and it's trying to be i don't mean to yeah like to say why that, doesn't but... he have an extra five hundred thousand dollars to shoot on film stock on a I, more expensive camera in the middle of the arctic yeah <laughs> <laughs> a little more off-center framing that kind of thing yeah, yeah um yeah i suppose i found it mostly um trying to be this sort of um display of human determination and um didn't, it just didn't only did so it. much for me mm-hmm. um you know it's this thing that i kind of felt asking me to say 
while he refuses to give up on this woman who um, he, he could have um, left and was doing really just fine until she came along and his would-be rescuer ends up being the one who now is in more need of rescue than him. Um, and it's sort of this the act of selflessness that this movie is about, that he's... Yeah. Um, uh, well, I, th- I think it's even a bigger story about like humans or like he's trying to you know make that claim of like that humans are by nature um, good to each other in these harsh situations right right yeah. that's um, that's why we I think gravitate towards stories of grace in war um, that's yeah. uh, what was that Mel Gibson film that he did uh, H- Hacksaw Ridge oh yeah right yeah. like like we we enjoy these stories more about grace than these de- determinum deterministic situations that are that are very difficult then right right you know we would expect right yeah yeah. and what what did you think about the the kind of haunting of the polar bear uh the polar bear work against it um i uh not a particularly strong reaction either okay to be honest it gave me dread like throughout the film because you're like you just you never presence well you never know in that white landscape when the polar bear is just gonna emerge from it as a silhouette you know like you yeah. never so every time there's white that could be the polar bear there yeah yeah that yeah, there was definitely a palpable sense of dread the whole film for me yeah yeah um yeah i mean didn't love mm, it didn't hate it is it your favorite directorial debut this year that you've seen uh i think i would still go with an elephant scene still as my oh, favorite right. debut that is a debut um, shit i gotta put that on my list yeah yeah totally Crap. um what are your other few um what is it book smart oh yeah um, i forgot about book smart yeah. that lily james tessa thompson film uh little woods or oh, something yeah. like that yeah and uh dark phoenix that was a debut mm-hmm. i did not know that so that is not at the top of your list I that is it. at the bottom that would make sense so. yeah very nice all right let's do some first impressions all right we've got dr sleep or scary stories to tell in the dark what do you want to do first Scary stories to tell in the dark. Do you want to see Haunted House? Some kids went missing, so they boarded it up. Okay, we saw it. Should we go now? Who ordered the chicken? What's that? It's a book of scary stories. Scary stories to tell in the dark. What do we think, Michael? I'm mildly intrigued. I saw at the end it's coming out in August. I think I would rather watch this like in October around Halloween. It's got a spooky vibe to it. I think I would maybe prefer a fall release to accompany this kind of fair. But um, that's a thought I think about every time I see a horror film trailer. Really? I mean, something um, like the Annabelle film or yeah, like even when I saw Crawl, it's just like it too. Like, yeah. why child's play? Why are none of these movies coming out around Halloween? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a fair point. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for practical effects. I kind of like the look of most of these monsters. What about you? Yeah, very intrigued. Um, yeah. Um, 
I think the one movie of his I've seen was The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Did you see that yes, one? Yes, he did The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Right, right, right. Yeah. Love that um, movie. Love that movie. Yeah, I don't think I gave it a great review. I sort of like am remembering it more fondly than I think I might have rated it. That was it. Uh, Emil Hirsch um, and Brian Cox. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I really, really a, enjoy that film. Um, they're in like a morgue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it, I probably watched it at like in broad daylight on a saturday afternoon and didn't get the full effect from it but i'm remembering it finally like i don't that's funny um, th- th- like that's because i think i did the same thing but like that didn't oh, take not a, a problem take that i like to watch horror during the day because i'm a giant pussy there you go but um yeah like the just the filmmaking the suspense the terror the building up of characters and the suspension of disbelief was all really effective in that one um yeah. if i remember right a certain love interest becomes like one of the villains I think um, that's right. Yeah. And, and just the, the way that it was played was just very, very efficient and effective to me. Yeah. Storytelling-wise. Yeah. yeah. I, very I, smooth. I just seem to think, I seem to remember being sharper than I think I might have rated it. So it's just actually working as, I think, um, a way of exciting me for what he's got. So yeah. um, we'll see. Indeed. On to Dr. Sleep. You're magic. Like me. to listen to me the world's a hungry place a dark place hi there i only met two or three people like us they died when i was a kid i bumped into these things i don't know about magic called it the shining all right we just watched the trailer for dr sleep we did thoughts questions concerns comments i don't think that it lines up with the book but with stephen king it does all honestly tend to bleed for me like it just it's all blended together you read the book dr sleep yeah i'm just now remembering that i'd read the book Um, looked familiar or seemed familiar yeah, well, the the Rebecca Ferguson character, if I remember correctly, is like um, she's part of like this vampire troupe, mm. um, and they like they want to get this kid's the new psychic um, blood because it will like keep them young for a very very long time and is very valuable to vampires um, in their aging process as they decay as a species on the planet, and I just I don't remember all the kind of asides that i'm seeing Mm. in this film but um it looks it looks intriguing it doesn't look bad and i I like the uh, actors they lined up and i i like the general look of it doesn't look like it's going to be anything crazy just a reliable commercial piece that might be safe yeah 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 my fear with something like this is that the the mystery of an original can sometimes be uh they can try to explain it away and I, I never really care for that. I hope that isn't the route this goes in. Um, Explain what away. Uh, just, you know, some of the, the, the mystery of uh, the original Shining. Um, you know, I wouldn't want them to... The book or the film? The film. I have not okay. read either the... Because the book, book ruins the film book. itself. You know, like, it just does. Like, like it's um, it explains things. And you might say it explains things away. Because 
that's yeah. just how King yeah. is. He has his own universe. Everything's tied together. Everything does have a legitimate explanation. So. Yeah. I've never been a huge Stephen King fan, so if this it does seem like this is leaning more towards in leaning more his direction than yeah, I believe it's as produced an by him of the so. movie. Um, so I, I feel like it's going to be sort of like a course correction from something that I don't think really needs to needs correcting. Um, but I, I don't think the filmmaking looks um, poor by any means. I think it looks very nicely put together. So um, it's just going to kind of depend on the direction they take some of that original material. I, I think we might be at the point where The Shining has to... We have to admit The Shining is going to have an influence on... Stephen or like on Stephen's um, working filmography and his books like the film The Shining just is going to have that effect and then it probably should be considered a standalone film and that it might also be useful as a a keystone for navigating the King universe moving forward and I think that he's written so many stories that we do have to at least see if those stories translate good to cinema now I know that in the 90s we saw that when King was heavily involved, it did not translate well. There yeah. were very bad B movies that, you know, ended up terribly. But yeah. in this modern day of it going the way that it is, maybe where there's horror movies all year round and we don't understand why they're not in October, it might be good for him to take back one of his strongest main characters, who is a psychic boy that had a murderous father and, you know had that experience in the overlook hotel and navigate through some of king's stories that way because we saw the dark tower didn't exactly pan out yeah yeah and i'm more interested in where a director can take the material than where the material is coming from so you know with um any given director you know i'll still be open to um what they want to do with it so gotta give it a shot And on that note, let's go over to The Dead Don't Die. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. All right. This was pretty high on my list of most anticipated films of the year. I don't think I actually called it out when we made our list. You did. But it was high up there. Maybe, I don't know if I actually knew of it at the time. That's maybe why it was wasn't on there um what about you were you um i was very eager as you know only lovers left alive is one of Mm. my favorite films from this decade um i responded very strongly to patterson Mm. i had extremely high hopes for this film but not top 10 or um you know the short list outside my top 10 hopes yeah um just because it it is a zombie movie, you know? Like, as much as I love the original Zombieland, I'm not going to put the Zombieland on my short list. Ah, um, yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of fell into that groove, and I think that I called it right personally. How do you feel about um, The Dead Don't Die, now that you've seen it? I'm actually pretty positive on the film. I mean, there there are things here I, I don't 
care for, but overall, I'm positive. Sounds like you are not. It was... I think that I wanted to be entertained in a way that he didn't provide. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of a straightforward narrative that had less asides looking directly into the camera talking about Jim, the director. Mm. Um, I wanted less Adam Driver holding out a Star Destroyer on his keychain. Mm. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it's an interesting film on retrospect that I think is is actually going to age very well. I completely but, agree. But watching it in the cinema, um, I I was kind of beleaguered by it. And that mm. might just be ex- external life stuff. And then me showing up to the theater expecting like a good time and not getting mm. a good time. But like mm. there are moments with Caleb Landry Jones that I absolutely loved. Oh yeah, um, he's good. But I think at the seams, I just kept feeling the budgetary constraints. Like seeing mm. Steve Buscemi in one shot with the group and then never again in a shot with the group until the end like Uh, you can tell uh, the way that this was shot on a very small budget like it just i i could feel the filmmaking budget constraints at work the whole time yeah i could definitely um see that like because it is sort of like checking in on these characters at different points in time you could definitely see how they all just kind of had their different couple weeks of shooting yeah um but I mean, I don't Four know. Days. I think that, um, <laughs> I, I, that that didn't cross my mind in, in the moment. It definitely didn't detract from it. Um, I mostly just kind of really enjoyed the relaxed, laid back rhythm of it. Like that's kind of what I come to uh, a Jarmish movie for. Um, is for that um, sort of um, leisurely paced kind of feel. Um, I think. Uh, Adam Driver and Bill Murray are super funny. I feel like they're they're timing together and they're just kind of eased with each other. It was just was just great. Like I had no problem uh, just patrolling uh, this town with them. Um, I think the repetition is actually just super nice. Like I think repetition's kind of like a poetic device he's always kind of using. Um, that's that's just I wouldn't pleasant disagree. here. I um, I might disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> about just its effectiveness or no it being pleasant uh, i don't know yeah. that i'd agree with that but i i think it is poetic and i think it might be effective i yeah. just didn't find it pleasant yeah yeah um you know it's uh it's kind of hit and miss because it is a little bit um you know it's an ensemble piece some people kind of work better for you than others i didn't really care for tilda swinton here i am super hot and cold on her lately um last week she was in my favorite movie of the year. I thought she was great here. I could have just cut her out entirely, and I think I would have been fine. Adam Driver, Bill Murray, Chloe... Um, Sevigny? S- Savini. I always forget how to pronounce it. Um, I've got... I they were great together. I used to call it Savini, and then you got me pronouncing it Savigny. <laughs> I and think now we've switched. Now we've switched. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're covering our bases. <laughs> um, Caleb Landry Drones and... Caleb Landry Jones and... Uh, Danny Glover, Danny Glover, totally fine. Um, the uh, juvenile detention center patrolled by these like buff, bald white guys. Just funny quirk. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just kind of appreciate the, um, the easiness of it. It's just very chill. Laid I, I back think what I didn't viewing. realize while I was watching it was it was criticism without commentary. Mm. and i thought that it was criticism with commentary and then 
once you see the end, you you kind of realize that the joke was that Jar that Jarmusch got you to think that he had had a side mm. that he was on. You know, by depicting mm. certain people certain ways, like it seems like, and I think that he might, you know, have a side that's coming out. But I think in by the end of the film, we see that that everyone is culpable. <laughs> yeah, um, in, in a way that kind of uh, lessens his political stance that it seems like he's taking that my theater boot audibly groaned at. Um, you know, yeah, did yeah. you have walkouts? I did not, but I definitely had groans. Okay, I, but I, I also had, had a, plenty of laughs. Too. I had like a score of walkouts. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, know, I've, I think I've read that, but my, my mine was kind of divided. Like there were groans, and the old lady was not happy anytime somebody was getting eaten. Um, other people mm. were laughing at every. Uh, repeated line or every time yes. the song came on. So it was really kind of mixed. Um, I was definitely one of the people um, amused throughout. Um, I think I did not particularly care for the um, last scene and that the movie is kind of given over to Hermit Bob for his final sort of monologue mm-hmm. about um, you know, these about American materialism and these zombies um, wanting to consume as much as ever. Um, I mean, I do. Well, feel that's like... also right. I think there's a visual motif that we see with Hermit Bob, where he's using these binoculars, so he's using a binary focal system to view the world. Then he's making mm. a claim about it, mm. and it's like, okay, American materialism really in the industrial age of man you're going to say that it's american materialism it's materialism you know it's it's the worldwide and so i think that he's showing that like even our harshest critics are also have a skewed perspective and i think that there's like Mm. this commentary that kind of gets meta at each level of criticism from all the characters where like he's not only using the character's criticism he's also using what happens to that character and how they behave as criticism of that character itself so even though Steve Buscemi is like a terrible Trump guy, he has some endearing qualities. Even though um, Bill Murray's a good guy or um, Adam Driver's a good guy, who drives the smart car and stuff, they're still foolish, you know. Or like, yeah, like the, yeah. there's there's an outcome to each character that is also a further criticism of the character, regardless of the fact that we interpreted them positively if that makes sense. Like, I feel like there's two levels of criticism happening. And that's what I realized after the film. Yeah, I don't know that I even, like, that it even struck me as, like, that complicated of a critique. Like, I mostly just felt it being uh, a reflection of the here and now. And that, I mean, I don't know that any of these characters were really um, well-defined enough for this to amount to a... um, critique or analysis of different kinds of American people because I think it's more interested in like rhythm and um, mood and and comedy I think than some of those things I mean I I would almost I'm almost like weary of um, calling this a um, a takedown of like Trump's America because I no, think I'm, it's just that's not what I'm saying yeah, yeah. Agreed. I wasn't trying to put words in your okay. mouth, but I think... No, I think it's, I I think it's a good poem. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those good poems that, like, you read it and you don't get it. You maybe don't like it. And then, on further reflection, you're seeing between the lines, like, you're seeing 
how the flow has this certain effect um and and that there there's a deeper meaning to the words than just what the words say Mm. is maybe the point that i'm trying to make yeah 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 i mean i was kind of struck by how you know he's not going out of his way to um uh define each of these characters in in a ton of depth but we're, we're clearly working with types in a way um you know your hipsters from Caricatures, cleveland yeah yeah um, are you sure they're not pittsburgh well they have ohio oh, you're right <laughs> jumping to conclusions um but uh you know that the fact that the song keeps coming up the dead don't die song is is played by a handful of them well uh, so how what do you what do you think the joke is there um it mostly i was less concerned with the lyric about the dead don't die than it having more to do with the fact that it is something these people have in common is art is music um so which i think is sort of uh nice (laughs) let me like uh let let me try to project Mm. what, what i was starting to get from it right it's a critique of materialism and then Jim has this friend, Sturgill Simpson, who wrote this song for him, The Dead Don't Die. And then he's continuously plugging the merchandise mm. of his friend and his film. And then he plugs himself in his film. And then he plugs mm. Adam Driver's film in his film. So even though mm. he's criticizing, the, you know, even, even though the film is criticizing the stuff, it's like, but not for me because... I'm good, and here, here's my friend's music. Here's we're gonna talk about me. Bill yeah. Murray's gonna reference me as his friend, um, and then we're gonna show my friend Adam Driver's thing, and I then like we're that. gonna we're gonna like have all these different cars and like marketing, and then like one of the like safest spots was the hardware store, which also sells things. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you know this uh, this goofy criticism where like you realize as you criticize that you don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, the uh, the uh, the irony is is there. Yes, for sure. Um, I think that's always kind of what he's been best at is the deadpan irony. Yes. Um. Uh, did you like most of this cast? No, not so much. No, it's not amused. Now, if the question is, do I like these cast members? Yes. The question is, do I like the this cast in this film? No, but that's more an extension of me not enjoying my experience with the film. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very interesting film now that I'm done. Mm. But it's not a film I want to watch again. Um, mm. Like, for fun. Maybe it's a film I want to watch again for study or intrigue or to, like, make notes and, like, have a further discussion with you or someone else or, or like, really um, try to dig into some of the levels of criticism and, like, philosophy that he's exploring. But it's not something I want to watch for fun. And I think this week what I wanted to do was watch something for fun or let something just kind of take me somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it did for me. I was I was mostly just... You in were in Centerville, Centerville, America. Okay. Yeah, I, I uh, was, just, was just too amused by how not concerned uh, Ronnie and Cliff are while Mindy's the only one freaking out. Um... Uh, I, I, I just think they, they have um, a rhythm together that's just easy to be around. Um, and, you know, as a 
uh, you know, comment on materialism. The running gag being, you know, all these zombies are wanting to come back to and plugging this material song, right? And I mean, even the zombies, like it. I think some people have called it very heavy-handed. I don't know that I would really agree. Like, I would challenge those people to, like... So, wait, what do you think it's a criticism of? I don't know that I would call it a criticism. Okay. Because um, there's a lot of people, they're kind of mothering this movie, where they're like, hmm. it's about this. And it's like, well, if the world's going to get destroyed and the moon starts looking funny and nothing's, like doing what it should then it might be a commentary on like global warming it might be a commentary on materialism it might be a commentary on industrialism like there's there's just too many things f- that he's straddling with his metaphors that, yeah for yeah us to make a very simple statement and i think that maybe it was simple to him but i think that his art now you know speaks in a different way than you know whatever restrictions he had on it yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I guess I, I felt it more just accepting as a fact that global warming is a thing. Not much uh, debate there. And just saying, let's take that as our baseline and just take a look at what these characters might do in this situation. Um, I think this is more about character than it is about um, theme, political theme in a way. I mean, I do think that's inevitably there but i i i to me that's the less satisfying way to experience the film is to think about that instead of um uh thinking about how adam driver takes three swings to cut off carol kane's head um i don't know like i think it's it's much more concerned with the here and now that's why there's so little like forward momentum is because he's saying I shouldn't even say he's sane, but, like, the world's gonna come to an end eventually. Let's at least slow down and kind of enjoy these moments for what we can. And if that means listening to a songs uh, to a given song a couple more times, that's great. That's fine by Especially me. if it's my friend's song. There you go. And I'm selling the, uh, the CD at the gas station. Yeah. Did you like the song? I do like the song. It's yeah, a nice song. Too. Pleasant. It's not a bad. I think I like song. Sturgill Simpson. Just um, as a songwriter. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Selena Gomez, what'd you think? Take your lever. You could replace her with anybody, I think. Really? I kind of liked her, too. I was a fan. No, she, she was fine. It's just she wasn't doing anything that Miley Cyrus or, you know, insert a pop star who's now an actor here. Um, mm-hmm. What's the... I'm forgetting her name. She's my... Um, most squandered actress last year. Oh, uh, Hudgens? Vanessa, Sorry, Hudgens, Vanessa Hudgens, right? She would, oh, yeah, she would have been that. fine here. Like, spring, yeah, no, spring it's just kind of this role, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the key to that role is just not, like most of these roles, is not doing too much. Mm-hmm. He's he, If anything, I would imagine him saying, do less, uh, less to less. any of these actors. Yeah. And I, Besides I think, Tilda. Exactly, and she's maybe the one I could have just done without well you're um, criticizing the only alien amongst a bunch of humans so it's true she gets out of there anyways yeah spoiler uh yeah i'd rewatch it mm, maybe maybe we will <laughs> you looking forward to ghost dog too 
Yeah, totally. I actually haven't yeah. seen Ghost Dog One, but I, I am just that's ready a good for excuse for us to watch uh, watch the first one. There get some go. Forrest Whitaker in. There you go. Let's get on to the birds. The Birds of Passage. All right, you finished Birds of Passage five hours ago, six hours ago? Not even? This oh, is real no, fresh. I finished it like 11 hours ago. Okay, or okay. Something like that, 11 or 10 hours ago. So you've had all kinds of time to digest it in your sleep. Yes, 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 I have. Where are you at on this one? Hot or cold? Um, it's beautiful. It's, it's not hot, but it's warm. It's, it's, <laughs> it's lower than 90 and higher than 76. Okay. Okay. That's not bad. I haven't rated it yet, but, um, good rate. I think it's, I think it's very beautiful to look at. I think it's very beautifully told um framed i i think that my personal favorite thing is the um the native chanting that we mm, yeah. um have accompanied the story throughout and um how it it tells the endless story of the time that um it just speaks of untold wisdom of the people that came before us of how no matter what you know the fine details are on what you're doing with your life the the macro picture of it's always the same yeah I'm right there with you. Um, I thought the 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 cultural uh, context and detail. I mean, that's sort of like the part of the substance here is. Um, is it the way you? Yeah, yeah, I think yes. that's right. Um, uh, just uh, super re- refreshing and and gorgeous, and I, I I just so appreciate the the attention to that uh, detail. Um, I think it's um, a pretty gripping movie without feeling like it's uh, like suspense is its main purpose. Um, like I do feel like there is sort of a sadness waiting on this movie. Mm-hmm. To me, there is definitely like a sense of inevitability to it. Um, to me, that really came through with the score, um, which just has a kind of mournfulness to this. I yes, just don't does. think there's any um, doubt that this guy's going to. Um, ultimately so, have a downfall at what point were you like whoa i thought this was a story about a lady pretty quickly right um yeah <laughs> which i i i uh, sort of liked the yeah. uh that little faint um and you've seen have you ever seen narcos no i have okay. not seen narcos i think it's narcos mexico that kind of tells this story um or a story very similar to this. Um, it's definitely different setting and location, um, but it's a very very similar story about mm. families and you know this this um, shifting from one thing to another thing, shifting from something to marijuana and then from marijuana to coke. Uh, ah, yeah, um, yeah. And and so this never quite gets to coke, if I remember correctly. Um, maybe it does get to coke. Um, yeah, there are some leaps where it clearly looks like their their business is, has grown. Yes. So you don't know if it's just is it, is it just volume or have they yeah switched? Yeah, there's kind of a yeah, like it doesn't matter. 
yeah, th- this yeah. for this story like it, it doesn't matter if they switched what matters is the money it's the and the thriving. story of the yeah. of the family and the tribe and the betrayal yeah it, yeah. it's very much shakespearean definitely um that was something i kept thinking like shakespeare 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 yeah yeah the the five acts um five songs five songs yep um the um i kind of wanted to go back and and hear what the guy we hear singing is saying exactly in the very first like same as the end if i remember correctly say that one more time same as the end oh yeah yeah um you know just again placing um doubt first and foremost in your mind um to not focus you so much on you know the possibility of triumph but more about you know the the incremental decisions and um, push and pull this guy's feeling and the family's feeling between uh, tradition and opportunity I guess um, but yeah I did think about that first scene and uh, was kind of going back and forth about whether or not like it's a little bit of a risk in that I think it's probably going to like lead some people astray and be like why are we not returning to this character as much but I guess my only thought was that like what we're, what we're learning about there is kind of like the severity of the tradition. Um, yes. Like I think she's, I think she said she she had been confined. We don't know exactly what that means for like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of does this job of. Well, like we not... kind of find out when they put uh, Leonidas in the confinement. Right. So I think it means like he she's literally been in there. Yes. For a year, like that's pretty severe. So if you didn't have that, I think you might risk sort of like this romanticized view of the tradition. Yes. And I think that does certainly suggest like, um, you know, that there are kind of costs to tradition in a way. That's maybe not the right word, but, um, but it there, avoids there's also maybe romanticizing it. There is maybe a good evolutionary reasons to do it. Right. Mm. Like just if you're trying to make, a creature that survives to remove them from the world so they don't get caught up in something for a year so literally protect them yeah well not only are you protecting them but you're separating them from creating a separate life Mm -hmm. um so boom you have them they're confined and then you can sell them which brings your family or you know it's a dowry but it's basically selling you're selling them to the best family you can find for a dowry that makes your family rich and allows that girl to then make her whole life whoever she's marrying yeah which i think isn't the worst evolutionary trait you know like it it sounds pretty effective to me yeah like maybe morally i find it repugnant now but back then like it might have been very very useful for your family to survive for generations on the desert yeah it was rooted in something rational yes well something evolutionarily useful yeah 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 um and we kind of see this story show evolution you know through this industrialization of the world yeah Yeah. (laughs) where we're taking these axes that we use to chop trees and chopping planes apart and burying them (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah i really liked uh the whole cast i was just kind of quickly flipping through some of the people and it looked like most of them had no credit so they kind of seemed to be all non-professionals yeah kind of an apocalypto um, scenario oh is that just, right same deal there well yeah they just go get like these real people and then yeah. ask them to do these things just tasks and then shoot yeah. it yeah 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 um 
yeah, I, like that's definitely where some of the authenticity comes from. I think like, Mel Gibson says that the thing that he kept telling them was like, act confident, just act confident, uh, no matter what you're doing, just act confident. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great advice. It works for Apocalypto. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. It was when we did first impressions for Birds of Passage, which I think was maybe quite a while ago. Um, you get some of those clips of um, people with like their masks or uh, scars over their faces, and you and you said that it looked sort of surreal to you. Yes. And I think I resisted that. I was like, I don't know this is really surrealism, but you were totally right, because there literally are dream sequences here right? that are quite surreal. Or like that um, house just in the middle of the desert. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of assumed that those were like, um, I don't know, grounded in tradition, but there literally are some like surreal um, dream sequences here. I think yeah. we're, we're really nicely uh put together tied in with that omen feeling um, yeah what is yeah. it she sees the grasshopper and then says um a plague is coming yeah 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 uh love the shot towards the end of the um what is it the you know the insects kind of swarming into that cloud that was a great mm-hmm. shot yeah um yeah i mean there's a, there's a lot of a nice uh, sort of visual um touches here i mean partly just from like some of the wardrobes too, um, uh, which I think I don't know. It's just all that cultural detail. It's very, yeah. very refreshing. Um, so did this did this meet your expectations or? Uh, yeah, I think it kind of hit it right on the mark. Um, what Is about it, you? I don't know yet. I don't mm. know. It definitely exceeded my floor. Mm. I I think I might have been hoping for something even stronger. Mm. just because it kind of did have a, a bunch of positive noise about it, I think, being made in February. Yeah. Um, so I thought yeah. maybe it was going to be a little bit more punchy mm. um, at some points, and I don't know that I fully felt so much as just recognized Shakespearean trope, some mm. of this stuff. Like, some of it just kind of felt like it was mapping on to other storytelling. Yeah. Or like, other yeah. stories. Like, I was I was feeling other stories inside this story. Mm. Um kind of like the wild pear tree um mm, yeah yeah um yeah yeah i could see that i mean i think sometimes this turns to cliches to kind of get the mirrors or get the gears moving um you have the first kind of hot-headed guy who kills two people in front of the planes i think that character gets forgiven then gets killed then you have the son who you're slowly seeing grow up or the cousin um eventually make the terrible choice that cost the family everything um and they should have just handled him to begin with like it's not that those are tropes but those are i i think those are just truths and i i just i i don't know that it's great so much as very good yeah yeah i mean there there was nothing that was like difficult to believe about those characters but it also didn't really make this story um that much more interesting by having those be the kinds of characters that create conflict yes um those are very familiar types who cause trouble um believably so in this case but it's also not as new as you know a lot of this kind of cultural detail is um but uh do regret not seeing it in the theater just because i do think it is 
Um, would run a little bit stronger. Yeah. Yeah, uh, especially with just kind of how vast that landscape is. Like I think, especially on a widescreen, that would look really good. Um, that's true of that Arctic. Might, that's true. Absolutely. Very much. Um, might have just overwhelmed me a little bit more, um, but uh, still held up on the small screen as well. Yeah. And did you watch this on the phone? Uh, half, one quarter on phone, three quarters TV. Okay. Last night. Still worked on the phone. That was okay? Yeah. Yeah, very, very, very rich um, cinematography on the phone. Um, it's almost easier when it's smaller to to see the setup and the, mm. the framing and, and what, how they're composing the shots. Yeah. I think when it's yeah. bigger, it's very hard to get the, uh, the circumference perspective. Or the perimeter yeah, perspective or of the uh, yeah. of the picture. Yeah, definitely, I can see that. Yeah, unsure about the rating, but would you recommend it? Absolutely, hundred percent. Um, is it in your top ten? Um, I don't think so. It's close though. Is uh, it in your top ten foreign films? Yeah, definitely. Okay. You? Yep. I think it's probably around. It's probably going to be in the, what would that be, low 20s or high hmm. teens for me. And it's gotcha. probably in my top 10. A foreign? foreign or you mean, oh, got it, got it. Yeah. Haven't, yeah. I think I'm probably only in like 13 foreign films yeah. this year. I keep kind of making my list and then scrapping it and starting over. So yeah. I need to <laughs> revisit. Need to stick to it. Yeah. All right. Well, that is Birds of Passage. On to all that jazz. Well, I do jazz hands. Yo, you love show business. That's right, I love show business. All that love. I'll go either way. It's showtime, folks. All that jazz. Our bossy thon continues. And ends. With all that jazz. How high were your hopes for this one? Was this uh, one you were particularly stoked for? I didn't even have high hopes. I was just confident that I would enjoy it, and I did. There you go. Um, so we've watched Cabaret, Lenny. Um, do you have an, an easy favorite of these three so far? I was expecting All That Jazz to be my favorite. Um, They're three very different films. Yeah. I think All That Jazz is my personal favorite film as a person. Mm. of Bob Fosse's work. Um, and then it gets very, very subjective if we're talking about, um, like, filmmaking nuances and stuff. But, like, if we're just going, like, Taylor's favorite, all that jazz. There you go. But there's... I can make a case for Lenny. I can make a case for Cabaret. I could, too. I mean, I I think I like the numbers here the best. I like the dancing here the best. I the love editing? Lyzerman. Jesus Christ, the editing. I, but I, I really like the editing in Lenny. I love the black and white in yeah. Lenny. I love. I like Dustin Hoffman there. I, you know, I, I, these are all pretty darn close. Like there are but things the, about each of these that I really the snap, like. snap, snap editing Ooh, yeah. during that musical number, kind of in the middle of this film. Oh yeah. Where oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just something. I'm or like the casting. Oh man, just the the opening musical number. There's there's this middle number where it just cuts 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 and it's like these master cuts of, and it's like making shapes and almost like it's like a dance that spells out a feeling or something the way that it's cut like it's and oh, it yeah. just kind of goes straight back it's like a straight back cut 
it's hard to explain but it's yeah. so so good i did really like the touch and all that jazz where he's listening to the critic on tv talk about his editing of lenny or what we yeah. kind of know is lenny and she's saying you know he cuts off before any of the drama uh-huh. can complete itself and it's like yeah it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like out of my four balloon system i give it half a balloon <laughs> yeah i'm always like i can't say that i've found that many movies that um sort of poke fun at critics in a way that i really like that was a nice little bar yes yes it was. um especially (laughs) because we see him earlier uh reading all the good reviews and loving it yeah so he's like i only want the good ones you you know there's something um human about that definitely very human about bob yeah uh i'm forgetting this actor's name it took me forever to realize this was the guy from jaws i was like why do i know this guy guy from sorcerer i have not seen sorcerer that's freaking right yeah yeah haven't seen that one um what do you think of him very good very, very good. Yes. I was a little cooler on him. It's uh, Roy Scheider. Right? Yeah. 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 That sounds right. Yeah. He's very good. I like uh, yeah. him a lot. I liked him. I, I was maybe cooler on him than I had hoped to be. Um, but he got the job done for me. Yeah. Um, and did the show enhance your viewing? Oh, 100%. I would think so. Yeah, I got all the little nuances <laughs> and the subtexts, and I know, like, some of the backstory of, like, what this shot means. Mm, yeah. Because, yeah, there's there's definitely some depth and nuance to the emotions of these characters in the film, right? Like, we do see Gwen Verdon played by a different actress in mm. this, and then we see his daughter played by a different actress than his daughter and in the show, we see him ask his daughter if she wants to play herself in the film. She oh. says yes. And then the next thing we see is that his daughter is crying and someone else is playing her. Ooh. So it's just like, you know, it's that continuous thing where he's just always a disappointment, right? It's that yeah. um, he opens the door and says, God, I'm a terrible father. And then it cuts to the next scene. And it's yeah. when the, while the door is open. And it's like that door is always open for him to be a better dad. And he keeps opening the door to be a bad father. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like the show is maybe not. Uh, it informs the tapestry of yeah. all that jazz. All that jazz is definitely tapestral. Like it, it is all of Bob's nuances in life and Gwen's nuances and, and her personality. and Yeah. He, and wrinklings and having the background of all of those is very very helpful yeah so it sounds like the show isn't terribly sympathetic maybe not um attacking him but it but it's at least honest about like whatever sort of like damage he did yes it's definitely self-critical and i think it's mostly based on gwen verdon's book so Ah, it definitely is a is a half split and i mean bob's just he's not the most sympathetic character. Like you just watched a film about him where he didn't make himself very sympathetic. Right. Well, that's exactly what I was about to ask was like, I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting movie because like, I think it is this, it's obviously this work of self-reflection. He doesn't make himself out to be that sympathetic. Like I think not knowing his background, just knowing that this is supposedly autobiographical, he's clearly, honest about his womanizing um but honest same... about where it starts in the um burlesque show right when he right. was a teenage boy and he had 
intercourse with like three women at once to lose his virginity. Oh, I did not know that. So, did they show that? And they were all uh, older women. Well, it was yeah. implied when um, he, in that musical number where the three girls come up to him and then he goes out on stage, dances, and then it, they all start laughing, pants down to his pants, and he's yeah. got cream in his jeans. Yeah, yeah. I uh, was was very intrigued by like his sort of like look at his own. Um, look at the, like his uh, the roots of his own sort of destructive behavior. Um, it's sort of like where the ego does kind of come back in, and he and you feel him sort of saying he's like, "But I'm pretty good, right?" I I feel that a little bit, and like that's just never been like my favorite tendency in something that's a little autobiographical. But he is pretty pretty good. good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's like, I, 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 it's, it's just a weird movie to, to really enlighten, to really enjoy it, to kind of still feel bad about like, um, I don't think you have to like Bob to appreciate Bob. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might help you Um, unlock (laughs) a way of, of loving his art and maybe questioning the morals of the man. And then it's like, okay, well, if you agree, you love his art, then maybe, maybe his compromised morals were worth it right or, or maybe that's a that's a conversation we need to consider having you know? right and it's something like cabaret like it's very easy to, to say like director bob Fosse might have been a womanizer whatever like i can put that aside and enjoy cabaret all that jazz is like putting all that up front and center yes. so it's like you're at the same time making sense of whether or not he is um admitting to it or being like a little like defensive about it i don't know that i've really come down on it one way or the other um but uh something that i just keep thinking about as i mostly enjoyed what was on screen it's interesting that like we point that out and we're not like critical of you know or like when we talk about orson welles we're not like well, this guy fucked over his friends and was a mooch and an alcoholic and, you know, a glutton. Like, you know, we're, we're just criticizing Fosse for, like, this one very um, specific vice. You know, and yeah, we do yeah. see his addiction to dexedrine and, and all that yep. stuff, but we're not talking about that. You know, we're talking about the womanizing. And it's like... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the... You know, how much do you blame each party? in that relationship because it's like it just keeps happening and the women are throwing themselves at bobby at some points you know you know and and so it's like it's just a complex character more than anything i think yeah yeah um he's good he is good he does know what he's doing um I, I think I like I think I enjoyed every single number um oh i love these numbers right i mean they're they're, they're so Oof. They're just they're <laughs> glistening. Do you have a they favorite? shine? The opening one where it's like the whole it's everyone that he's going to um pull his cast from, I think. Right? Oh yeah. It's, a, it's huge a huge opening number. Yeah, I was like huge. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> and like nothing nothing ever topped that for me. That was just so amazing. Like I love all the other stuff too, but that was just Yeah, I think it kind of zooms out and mm-hmm. like you and you're like, what stage, the you're like, hell? There's a lot of people up there. <laughs> yeah, there's some crazy shots where they like just keep pulling out, pulling out, pulling. And you're like, how did you get that good of a shot that close if you're this far away now? Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of wish I had paid more attention to who... Do they talk about his cinematographers at all in the show, by, by chance? I don't think so, no. No, it's know. very egocentric I would egocentric still attribute, like, Bob. placement and that kind of thing to him, but, like, I do think he has an eye for, like, usually where to put the camera and, and, and varies it in, like, very refreshing ways. Um, one, uh, one fun anecdote from the show is, um, well, I, I think it's Gwen says, and I'm sure it's not really accurate, but Gwen says something snarky, like, and I'm sure you'll get an actor to play you that has a fuller head of hair. And Bobby, like, rubs his balding head. You're, you know, uh, Sam rubs his balding head. And then he goes, probably. And then you see, uh, you, you see, shoot, what's his name? Um, Roy, Roy Scheider. And there with the toupee on the center. Uh, yeah. And, and, like, it's just, it's so ironic to know, like, that he could have had himself look a little bit more like himself. And that he opted to put the toupee on Scheider. That's a nice touch. And it, it's, uh, yeah, I, you almost wonder if he did it on purpose as like a commentary on himself. Yeah. In some yeah. way, or if it was just, you know, <laughs> ego. It's a nice touch. Uh, yeah, I think my favorite would have been the his daughter and girlfriend, their duet in his living room. It's adorable. Um, but I also love the shot in that final number when everyone's lighting up their candles kind mm-hmm. of in the like stands around him oh those are nice shots that's uh yeah that's in the show oh that's good <laughs> like this the the setup of that that's what you're seeing them you, you, you see it get filmed on oh the show. yeah uh yeah. lin-manuel miranda plays uh, roy scheider oh nice that's that's inspired cast anything else who was your favorite performer in the film my favorite performer, um, you go well, I think. Oh, boy. Stabbing me. It was whoever played Gwen Verdon. I haven't had time to mm. look up the cast, but whoever played Gwen, um, the way that it was, she she played age gracefully. Mm. You know, when she gets hurt and then keeps dancing when he walks in. Oh, yeah. Um, when he's taking that break. Um, and, and the way that she, like, dances towards him. It, when she's just doing... Imp- she's ostensibly doing improvisation that whole time and there's just this uh there's this sultry seductiveness to her style that is also professional that exactly Mm. mirrors kind of the gwen we see in the show and just yeah it it might just be a projection of how much i love michelle williams and then seeing someone also do that good like it's just the liking carries over yeah for some reason i i just like that um I, i like gwen right now yeah i really do yeah, I wish I knew the actress's name, but um, whoever plays his ex-wife, I did like quite a bit. I don't know that I've totally figured that character out. That's Gwen, she... is his ex-wife. Oh, I thought, uh, that is Gwen? That's Gwen yes. Verdon? Yes. Oh, okay. I was confused. I Anne thought... Rankling's the taller one, played by Margaret, Margaret Qualley in the television show. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so I've mixed up my people a little bit, but then I guess we're talking about the same person. Yes. Um... Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, you I mean, just I keep think... seeing her work. Yeah, keep seeing her parent. Like she just keeps doing. You know, like she's the yeah. reason why Bob made what he made. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. That was that was just a clear miss on my part. I thought there was some other recurring character who I thought I'd already identified as Verdon. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought she was great. I mean, um, she. Uh, sort of stands in as like the your as the person like expressing the kind of exasperation you feel with him 
like I can kind of I identify her when she's sort of um, very uh, just frustrated. Yes. Um, it's it's look to the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that's kind of the point. Yes. <laughs> That womanizing idiot genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the like. Th- there's some line where she's very upset, and I don't know if she says like, I forget what it is. Her first line is, but she says, "But damn it, is it good, Bob?" And then she kind of fronts out of the room. Yeah. Um, and it's like you, you agree with her, but it, this is a movie by Fosse about Fosse. So is like, do you really appreciate him making that comment about himself? Well, it is um, autobiographical, and yeah. in the you would assume in the book she said that because in the show, based off her book, she says things like that all the time. Yeah, even though yeah. she's always fed up with him and and hates him, like she that's the director she wants for her Chicago, yeah. right? Which is the they still use her steps today in Chicago. Um, or, you know, her routine and choreography. So I, I think it is a sincere statement from Bob. I do. Sincere, like he sincerely thinks that she's fed up with him, but also that she loves it. Like she right. loves his work, which it's like or working with him. I don't know like that, that like that. I get that much satisfaction out of an, an artist recognizing that somebody else really loves his work well, that I, kind of sense? I, I think yes i see what you're saying but i i think that uh, i think his only equal is gwen so i think mm. that 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 statement has a different calibration than like people looking up to him that's like his equal saying mm. that he did good mm. yeah yeah uh the person whose criticism he actually listens to yeah where we the most yes yeah yeah that's fair um so when you look at Roy, are you always seeing Bob Fosse? No, or I see Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's gotta be getting a little confusing. <laughs> no, it's you definitely see a uh an ego representation of Bob, yeah. of of like what he wishes he was or how he wishes he was, or yeah, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So it is right, and and that's um, that's Joe. described by that uh, that gal who says, "Do you think I could be a movie star?" 40, 40 feet wide on on the on the screen. Oh yeah. yeah. He says, "No, but I can, you know, I, I can, can make you better." Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that that's also commentary, and like he knows that even though he could do it, he's not right for it. Yeah. Yeah. She she was great too. Um, uh, she was like the person who I felt most wanted to um kind of do something with her role in this show that was maybe one thing that held me back a little bit was that i in the show or the film in the show like she wants to be the best dancer she can be oh in the show in the film correct okay not in the television (laughs) show correct right the yes yes um her 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 passion her commitment her um desperately wanting to succeed was very clear um i think i maybe didn't get quite as much of that from joe gideon as i would have liked about just like how much this show meant to him um but 
it sort of was fine because he's putting it on and it's great. So well, I think <laughs> you, I, I think um, you see how much it means to them or to him as a consequence of the, you know, what it does to him health wise. Right. Right. I think that um, kind of speaks for itself and also speaks for his inability to like express his emotions correctly. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, I get that through the, um, you know, repetition of his routine, the, emphasis on his sort of fanaticism and obsession as an actor i don't know that i ever really felt like i was seeing roy convince me that as joe gideon this guy is dying to put on this show Mm. um he is literally dying and i and that is i I think very effectively communicated with the editing and with the repetition um just as a work of like, of as a character, I'm not sure that was ever quite as like fully enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I think I I think I probably have to just like be open to the fact that it's maybe more that I just, it just wasn't what I was expecting, rather than like that really being a criticism. Hmm. Like I kind of thought that this was going to be about them putting on the show and it being a big success. I had like no idea that this was about him like literally killing himself and ended up in the hospital um so i almost just kind of need to like recalibrate and, yeah and probably we'll get higher with it next time yeah it's it's the it's the consequence of creating the art and i i mean is he enthusiastic to make it maybe not is he dying to make it it sure seems that way <laughs> it seems to be the case <laughs> it seems like that's it seems like he wants to make it and he's willing to die to do it so um maybe that's, that's not true. the it way true. that, that you that. prefer to look at dying to do it but that is the yeah. outcome yeah yeah i did like i think it's when uh like the producers are talking about um you know, taking out the insurance claim against him, or maybe they're just talking about killing the show outright. I forget what their meeting oh, is about. beautiful shot with the table reflection. Oh, Everybody yeah, in the window in the middle, yeah. And they're cutting back, I think, in that scene to his surgery mm-hmm. and him literally getting ripped open. Yep. It's like, you want to hear him just scream, you're tearing me apart! <laughs> Lisa? <laughs> uh, just, you know, that's the edit, same kind of editing that, you know, we already saw on Lenny. Yep. Just as effective. Um, satisfying stuff. Beautiful. I'm glad we did it. Word. Fosse complete. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! Another one in the can.